be able to allow them to join us this morning in worship. It is well with my soul. I pray it is well with your soul this morning. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 100. I want to thank you very much for the invitation. And thank Brother Don for allowing us to come. And I hope and pray that we could all this morning be encouraged, not only by our fellowship, but more so by worshiping God in spirit and truth. There's something about when God's people gather together in God's house to worship that you can't get any place else. I covet those times alone with God when I can pray and fellowship with Him intimately through Jesus Christ. And yet I also enjoy greatly the assembling of God's people when they gather together to worship God. Something which our nation has greatly neglected over these past years. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning humbly before Your presence, so thankful for Your rich mercy and grace in Christ Jesus. Lord, how we ask now, Father, that You would bless us with Your presence. And we pray the Holy Spirit of God would be our guide and our teacher. I pray that You teach us to worship, to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us this morning as we gather here as thy people to bring you praise and thanksgiving. May our hearts be filled with gladness and may our lips be filled with sweet songs of praise and thanksgiving. And may you be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This will be our 10th message on this most glorious Psalm 100. And though some of you might believe that you're at a great disadvantage because you've not heard the first nine messages, let me assure you this morning that regardless of where one begins in this psalm, each and every verse has a unique and blessed truth of itself. You could take one verse out of this entire psalm and you could find something very unique and blessed about worshiping God. This is the only psalm that has the title, a song or a praise of thanksgiving. 
even though the Psalms are full with Psalms telling us and exhorting us to worship God, Psalm 100 is the only Psalm with the title, A Psalm of Praise. Because that is exactly what it is. And I truly believe that every Psalm that is written flows in some way directly from the heart of Psalm 100. There's something about Psalm 100 that makes it unique above every other psalm in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I truly believe that if we went back to the very start of verse 1 and started all over again, I believe that we would find yet hidden truths that we did not know of as of yet. That is the amazing thing about the Word of God. You cannot extinguish its power. You cannot extinguish its truth. What you read today might not reveal nothing to you, but you read the same thing tomorrow and God speaks so clearly to your heart. That is the amazing fact about God's Word. And I do not pretend to be able this morning to extinguish or exhaust the subject of which we're preaching on this morning. I can barely scrape the surface of it. In my 40 years as being a pastor, I have never come across a passage of Scripture that has left me so intimidated and yet blessed than Psalm 100. If you look at a pastor's study, many times you'll find if you have could see into a study, you'd find notes scribbled everywhere and pages everywhere. Never have I spent so many pages writing notes and scratching them out and writing them again. And it just seems like there's a never-ending truth to this psalm that you can never achieve. It always grows more and more. So is it with this Psalm 100. This glorious psalm begins with a divine summons unto all the lands to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And as we, nine weeks ago, have learned, beloved, there is coming a day when everyone in creation, everything in creation, will make a joyful noise unto our Lord. There will not be a murmuring cry. It will be a joyful noise because our God is sovereign. And everyone will one day make a joyful noise unto our God. Yet it is his people and the sheep of his pasture in this psalm that are invited to serve him with gladness, to come before his presence with singing, to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, to be thankful and bless his name. That's the invitation his people have. The world will make a joyful noise. We make a melody which is pleasing in the sight of God because of Christ Jesus. We have an invitation into the very presence of the Almighty God. I was amazed this morning in my daily reading. I was reading in the book of Exodus with Moses on the mountain when God appeared to the people they were full of fright and fear and terror at the presence of God and then I was reminded of Psalm 100 how we're invited into his presence we're invited to come into his presence with singing with singing thanksgiving, praise, gladness of heart, bless his name be thankful unto him and the psalmist gives us the reason in verse 5 for the Lord he is good He's good. 
His essence, his very essence is good. Everything God does is good. There's not one thing God does that's not that's bad. It's always good. God is good. And his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. You know, there's nothing melancholy or sad in this great psalm of praise. Nothing. It's not one sad note. You read other psalms, you find David grieving over his own sin and infirmities and weaknesses and crying out to God to be merciful unto him and forgive him. And you see him saying, I'm walking through darkness and I need light. There's nothing melancholy or sad in this entire psalm. Nothing. Nothing. Think about that. Nothing. Nothing to terrify or frighten the child of God. For though there is a humble acknowledgement in verse 3 that the Lord, He is God, it is He that has made us and not we ourselves. Yet because we have been made His people and the sheep of His pasture, according to this pastor of Scripture, this humble acknowledgement is accompanied with the greatest songs of joy and gladness and thanksgiving and praise. We realize as God's people, God is sovereign. He is the Almighty God. And yet Christ has brought us into such a relationship with the living God that we can call Him Abba Father. We're invited into the presence of the Almighty God. And God says when you do that, you come with joy. You come with gladness. You come with thanksgiving. You come with praise. Why? What motivates that? For. Verse 5, the Lord is good. That's the motivation for everything he says in the first four verses, for the Lord is good. Do you know the Lord is good? I don't mean just generally good. Do you know the Lord is good? He's good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth through all generations. Some might say, preacher, why only three of God's attributes? Doesn't God have many more? His holiness, His justice, His wrath. Why just three? And I say, why so many? Because it only takes one attribute of God to raise our hearts to the greatest heights of praise and thanksgiving. It doesn't take many one. The goodness of God alone is enough to sing praises and thanksgiving to God for eternity. But the psalmist gives us three. Goodness, mercy, and truth. That's what inspires us to come before the Lord with singing, to serve Him with gladness. To enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's what motivates, inspires us to give thanks unto him and to bless his name. Nothing melancholy, nothing sorrowful, nothing, no terror, joy and gladness. Moses thought himself worthy to see the glory of God. If you recall that passage of scripture in Exodus. God says, I'm not going up with you. And Moses said, God, if you don't go up with us, we're not going. Show me thy glory. 
He thought he was worthy enough to see God's glory. God says, I'll tell you what, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. I'll show you all my goodness. Moses said, okay, and God began to show him his goodness. All his goodness, his long-suffering and patience. Oh, Moses just got a glimpse of his goodness, just his goodness. And it said he fell to the earth and worshipped God. Just his goodness. Too often, the child of God believes their spiritual happiness, joy, and comfort lies in those yet deep things of God that they know not yet. All the while, their hearts remain disquieted and troubled. Yet it's not those things and truths of God that are yet hidden from us that is the cause for our disquieted and troubled hearts, but are not meditating more fully on those divine truths of God we have come to know. God told the children of Israel, I'll give you every day manna sufficient for each day. If you're studying God's word and praying and seeking to walk close with God, God will give you every day that which you need of. The problem of it is we don't stop to consider what he's given us. We don't stop to consider the stars that are hanging in the heavens at nighttime or the sun that rises up in the morning and sets in the evening. We don't consider his very creation which shows the glory of God. We don't consider the good things God gives us, how merciful he's been to us and the truth which keeps us, preserves us and gives us strength and comfort. We don't consider the things God's already given us Martha's serving of Christ was commendable. But when it became cumbersome, it troubled her. While Mary, the Bible says, chose that good part, which could not be taken from her. What was the Lord's word? Mary's chosen the good part that can't be taken from her. What was that, preacher? Sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. That was the good part. You know, sometimes we just need to stop. We just need to stop. Quiet ourselves. Get alone with God. And meditate on Him and His Word. Because you know what makes up a worship service? is when all God's people gather together from a week of being out in the world, but a week of also spending time with God, fellowshipping with God, experiencing God in their own personal way, and we bring all those blessings into the house of God, and then we lift up our praises in united voices to sing praise unto God. I'm telling you, that glorifies God. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. As a threefold cord is not quickly broken, according to Ecclesiastes 4, so too these three divine attributes of God are often found as companions throughout God's Word. Remember that when you read through God's Word, goodness, mercy, truth, they're often found as companions to one another throughout the Word of God. 
And here in this glorious psalm, the psalmist would unite them before the people of God and the sheep of his pasture so as to create in them the highest praise and thanksgiving. Like we told our church last week, why did God inspire the psalmist to put merely these three? Because these three are the most precious and dearest to God's people. You see how loving and kind God is? God could have said, I'm going to show you my sovereignty. I'm going to show you my holiness. We'd all fall down in great fear and terror if not mercy, goodness, and grace of God clothed and adorned that sovereignty of God that we could see him as he is. Do you realize what that is? These three attributes are the most precious and dearest to God's people. This is the loving kindness of God. This is why God says, I want you to be thankful unto me and praise me. Oh, not that God ignores his other attributes. He doesn't. But God says, these three will inspire you to worship me. Isn't God good? Isn't God good how he condescends to meet us and comfort us and strengthen us? Isn't that what he did in sending his own son? His mercy is everlasting. We at our church seen last week the goodness of God. But when you read this fifth verse, it's almost as though the psalmist would swiftly, as though he could not constrain himself, immediately declare that God is mercy. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Almost to say that God's everlasting mercy flows from His goodness, and it does. Everywhere in Psalms when you read about the goodness and mercy of God, it's as though goodness is the usher in of God's mercy. God's goodness produces His mercy. And so the psalmist said, the Lord is good, and that is enough of itself. But listen, not only good, but goodness of God leads to mercy. God is merciful. And that mercy of God is everlasting, the psalmist says. Do you know there's no other attribute of God more mentioned in Scripture than that of the mercy of God? If you know anything about the attributes of God, His sovereignty, His holiness, His wisdom, all those things, no other attribute is mentioned more in Scripture than the mercy of God. It is the one attribute that God Himself would have His people to know, that He delights in. Micah 7, 18, he said, because God delighteth in mercy. Now, why would God want us to know he delights in mercy? I think we can answer that question for ourselves, can we not? How often are we reminded that God is merciful in forgiving us all our iniquities and all our sins and all our trespasses. Though the grace of God and His mercy are divine companions, grace is an unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. Grace is unmerited favor. But the mercy of God the mercy of God is His divine act of withholding deserved punishment. Are you follow me? Withholding deserved punishment. 
It's the difference between grace. That's why mercy, the mercy of God is so often mentioned in Scripture because that's something the child of God holds very dear and precious because he's constantly in need of being reminded that God is merciful because we're constantly in need of mercy. Are we not? I won't get into that here, but I told our church the evidence that we don't understand the mercy of God is because we have trouble exercising mercy amongst one another. That's why the church is so divided, full of schisms. It's withholding deserved punishment. The prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 3, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Isn't that amazing? They are new every morning. What is? His mercies. Every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Where did Jeremiah learn that? In the book of Limitations. <laughs> you know those who really understand and appreciate and adore and worship God's mercy is those who know they need it very much. Those who are acquainted with their own sinfulness and failures. Oh, it's those who are acquainted with God's mercy. As the Lord himself delights in mercy, he takes great pleasure, Psalm says. Listen to this. He takes great pleasure in Psalm 147 in those who fear him and in those who hope in his mercy. Those who hope in his mercy. Are you beginning to see why the first four, four verses of Psalm 100 are so inspired by this last verse. Serve the Lord with gladness. Oh, with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Why? Because the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. We enter into the presence of God knowing that we're undeserving of His goodness, His mercy, and His grace. And yet He delights in giving it to us. Isn't that amazing? He delights in giving it to us. And yet, too often, our thoughts of God's everlasting mercy are too narrow and too small. Yet, as we learned last week in our church from Psalm 35, the earth's full of the goodness of the Lord, and it is. And this is why the sinner is going to be guilty before God, because the goodness of God is everywhere to be seen in the world. And so, when they die without Christ, they will understand the goodness of God and how they despised the riches of His goodness, Romans chapter 2, and treasured up wrath against the day of wrath. Why? Because they despised the goodness of God. God is good. If you're here this morning without Christ, He's good to you. Even though you're not saved, He's good to you because you're breathing His air. You're enjoying His sunshine. With every beat of your heart is the goodness of God. And every day you deny God, you despise that goodness. And so you treasure up wrath against the day of wrath, against the day of judgment. 
God is good. Everywhere. Yet like his goodness, Psalm 25 says, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. As such to keep his covenant, his people and his sheep of his pasture. Psalm 100. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant, his people and his testimonies. Are you aware this morning, if you're a child of God, everything you go through, every bit of your life is the path the Lord has chosen and is full of mercy and truth. You said, but preacher, I've been through some very deep, dark valleys. I've seen some dark things in my life. I've had some pains and sorrows and grief. Still the mercy of God. The child of God takes comfort in knowing that everything that happens in his life is not dependent upon destiny or fate. But God. Isn't it amazing that when Job suffered, was at the height of his suffering? At the very height of his suffering? I mean, we can't imagine what he suffered in that short amount of time. Losing all his children, losing all his land, losing all his riches. We can't imagine somebody losing that much in that short amount of time. Isn't it amazing which brought Job, that which brought Job comfort? You know what Job did after all that? He said he fell and worshipped God. He didn't blame God. He didn't shake his fist up at God. He fell down and worshipped God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed and bless His name. And blessed be the Lord. You see, that's someone who truly understands the path of the Lord is full of mercy and truth. You see, sometimes our worship is tempered by our trials and afflictions. Sometimes we come into the house of God and our hearts are heavy maybe from the week. Our, our hearts are saddened because of trials and afflictions. We come into the house of God. We begin to lift our songs of praise unto God. We hear the prayers of the saints. The word of God is being preached and we leave the house of God blessing His name. Why? Because He's good. In my course of studying that Verse a few weeks ago, all through the week, I work as maintenance supervisor in the nursing home. And believe me, I've got a lot of, uh, sometimes a lot of work on my shoulders, just like most of you. I'd go through the whole week reminding myself, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And you know what? It was amazing what it did and how it lifted me up out of things that were troublesome and trying. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's good. His mercy is everlasting. Isn't it amazing when you think about that? Sometimes we don't take time out, like I said, to stop and think about God's word, to meditate upon it. Spend some time praying over it. His mercy is everlasting. 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 It's not temporal. It's not short. It's everlasting. It has no beginning. It has no end. It's everlasting. You can't wear it out. You can't wear it out. You can't sin it out. 
Like the nature of God Himself is everlasting, so too is His mercy everlasting. It endureth forever. Look with me at Psalms 136. I make no apologies for reading this psalm. Psalm 136, I want you to see all the acts of God's mercy. Because it's not merely limited to salvation. Listen to what the psalmist describes as acts of God's mercy. Listen to everything he says here and pay attention to those things that are not so comfortable. Psalm 136. Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. There's good mercy. His mercy endureth forever. Give thanks unto the Lord of of God's, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lord's, for His mercy endureth forever. He's kind of putting our hearts in the right place, isn't He? Put them to God. Focus God. Now watch. To Him who alone doeth great wonders, for His mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. So focused on God. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. His creation was mercy. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egyptian in their firstborn. Well, wait a minute. That don't sound like mercy, but he says, His mercy endureth forever. Even in the destruction of the wicked, God is merciful. Stop and ponder that one for a few minutes. (laughs) And brought out Israel from among them, for His mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him that divided the Red Sea into parts, for His mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Killed them, for his mercy endureth forever. Still mercy. All the paths of God are mercy and truth. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings. Still his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Shion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Besson, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in, his, in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Every single verse in Psalm 136 ends with, for his mercy endureth. You think the psalmist is trying to tell us something? For the mercy of the Lord is forever, and it endureth forever. It's everlasting. Everything God does is out of his goodness and his mercy. Even the condemnation and judgment of the unrighteous. Everything God does. Let me tell you something here this morning so that you can understand. Even the most vilest sinner that's breathing God's good air out there is seeing God's goodness and mercy, yet he's despising it. Yet God is still showing it to him by the very fact that he's breathing his air. Yet let him die without Christ, despising that goodness of God, and you look what happens to him. Let me bring something to your attention. The rich man in hell 
of all the things he could have desired, deliverance, reprieve, what did he cry for? Mercy. Question. How come he cried for mercy? Did he know something of it while he lived in his sinful pleasures and ignored it? Did he hear Lazarus at his gate praying and thanking God for his mercy and his grace? Somewhere the rich man heard of the mercy of God and yet despised it, and in hell he was denied it. Do you see? God will be just in the condemnation of the wicked because they have despised His goodness and His mercy. But the child of God sees everything in this world as a sign and and as a being of God's mercy and goodness. You go out, and I'm a a nature fanatic in that sense, but you go out at nighttime, especially here in Coleman in the country. I love living, I lived in Germany in Heilbronn, 100,000 people in the city, cement jungle, it was terrible. I come to Texas, couldn't believe the skies were so big. I told my wife, I said, man, they just stretch from one horizon to the other, no buildings to see. You can walk out on these clear nights here in Coleman, Texas, and look up into the heaven and see so many glorious stars. And God hung every single one of them. Named every single one of them. And he loves me and has mercy and goodness towards me. That is an amazing God. As the sinner despises his goodness and mercy, the child of God praises him for it. Every single day of his life. And when he gathers together like we are this morning, regardless of our differences, regardless where you might stand, if you have a doctrinal difference, I'm not saying the essential things, but differences of opinion, it doesn't matter in that sense. What we're doing this morning, what we should be doing this morning, is concentrating on worshiping God. And you know the best worship service you'll ever have? is when you depart from the house of God and the message hangs with you, not just through Sunday, but Monday morning you wake up and you say, you know what, God is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth unto all generations. Oh, I sing unto the Lord. I enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. I'm thankful unto Him and I bless His name. Let me encourage you. We sing out of the book of Psalms. Uh, which is singing the Psalms, and we sing 100, and it's almost word for word. But I encourage you to learn. If you can, memorize Psalm 100. I guarantee you, memorize that and say that at least once a week. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. Sing. Quote that. Quote that verse. I'm telling you, there's something about when we take the Word of God and we prayerfully, prayerfully meditate on it, and read it, and even sometimes out, speak it outwardly. There's something about the Word of God. Psalm 59, 16 says, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. It's not just talking about Daylight 
at nighttime. The psalmist is talking more about those spiritual times of night, darkness, trouble, anguish. When the morning comes, and the morning will come, joy will come in the morning. Sorrows may be for a night. Joy will come in the morning when that twilight of God's grace shines upon my heart and he draws me out of that darkness of which his providence had placed me. I'm going to sing of his mercy and his grace. I'm going to sing aloud of it, of his mercy and his grace. Many times, I leave probably about 5, 4.35 o'clock in the morning to go to work. Many times on my way to work, contemplating on the word of God, I think I scare the coyotes and the deers because sometimes I just can't withhold seeing the wonders of God's heaven. I've got to be careful I don't get into a wreck, and I try to be safe, but I can't. And I've seen many times, they call them shooting stars, whatever you might call it, but avoid meditating on God's. This is what I love about living in the country. We all praise God for the country. I can drive to work, and there's nothing but country. Meditate and think on the things of God. I will sing aloud of thy mercy. I know this goes against almost every grain of a independent fundamental Baptist, but even David, uh, even David, when he got to thinking about God's mercy, when they were bringing the mercy seat back, began dancing. Now, I'm not encouraging you to dance, but I'm just telling you. Sometimes you just can't hold it in. God is so good. After the darkness of night, I will sing aloud. I will shout. I will cry out. I will be joyful. That's what means sings aloud. Uh, sing aloud means of thy mercy and the coming of morning. His mercy is everlasting. You know, like I said about the rich man, he was denied mercy, even though he cried for it. Yet you know how David acted in Psalm 51? We all know about Psalm 51 being the penitent psalm. It's the psalm David prayed after the man of God came in and said, you're the man, you sinned against God with Bathsheba. That whole psalm is a penitent psalm, repentance. David cried out for mercy. He said, Lord, have mercy upon me. When David cried out for mercy, it was according to God's loving kindness and multitude of God's tender mercies. That's what David said. David cried unto God, have mercy upon me according to thy loving, according, have mercy on me, listen to me, according, have mercy on me. The rich man just said, have mercy on me, I want to get out of this pain. David said different. David said, have mercy upon me according, in accordance with thy loving kindness and the multitude of thy tender mercies. You see the difference? Child of God doesn't perfect, doesn't say he's sinless. We don't believe in sinless perfection. Not if you believe that Bible. But when we ask for mercy, it's because we have an intimate relationship with God. We know of his loving kindness in Christ. We know of the multitude of his tender mercies. We have a reason for asking for mercy. And it's nothing of ourselves, nothing of ourselves, but all of Christ. Why do you think the Bible says he's a merciful and faithful? Merciful becomes before faithful, high priest. He's merciful.
Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And for our church next week, we're going to finish up this psalm after 11 weeks with the truth endureth all generations. Why does he say the truth? Some say the faithfulness of God. Scripture says his truth endureth. Why? You can't have mercy and goodness without truth. A lot of people want mercy and, and, and good, uh, goodness and mercy without truth. The rich man wanted mercy without truth. The truth of it was he needed God. Can't have goodness and mercy without truth. And let this be a comfort to all God's people this morning. To those here in Brother Don's church and ours as well. Regardless of how wicked and vile this world gets, and let me tell you something, I didn't believe for 20 years ago it'd get this wicked and vile, but it's wicked and vile. Regardless of how wicked and vile this world gets, His truth endureth. I love how the Holy Spirit used the word endureth. And you only find that word endureth in the King James. But this endureth, why endureth? Because there's going to be great opposition against it, but God says, my truth will endure to all generations. You know that why, my, why that makes me happy? I have a grandson. He's 10 years old, 12 years, 10 years old, somewhere around there. I'm going to get in trouble after this. My wife's going to go, you should know better. When I'm dead and gone, and sitting with Christ in glory, My grandson can be assured his truth shall endure. Do what you want. Satan in the world, you do what you want. This truth will endure. Let me tell you something. It's endured for thousands of years. Ain't nobody, no opposition in the world, no angel in heaven, no demon in hell can ever, can ever hold back the truth of God. Isn't that comfort, especially for you folks that are grandparents and worried about your grandkids? It'll endure. You tell them that. Praise God for His goodness, His mercy, and His truth. And thank you for allowing me this time this morning to share this word with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord. Father, I didn't even barely scratch the surface of this glorious attribute of mercy. It is everlasting. How can I, who is finite, and limited ever speak on anything that's everlasting. Yet, Lord, I pray that, Father, you have planted in our hearts a hunger to know more of this mercy in our own hearts and lives. Lord, that it would inspire and incite our hearts every time we come into the house of God uh, to lift up our songs, lift up our praise and our thanksgiving, to give you glory and honor. Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd bless this dear church, bless Brother Don and his wife, help them physically and all those that are ill in this church. Pray that, Lord, you'd be with them. I pray that you'd be with this church. May you watch over them, keep them, guide them, and direct them. And I pray that, Lord, you'd bless them with your presence and your truth. Lord, guide us now throughout this week. Help us to meditate on these three things. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. We thank you and love you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.